This is the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. The draft is over. It was a very exciting weekend for a lot of very talented uh, young men. And, well, they've already gotten their introduction into the Ontario Hockey League anyways. Most of them that are still in the playoffs, but um, just a cool weekend. It was nice that they had that night off on Friday and then they were able to get at least the first three picks or possibly two or even one, depending on what the draft pick situation was. But um, yeah, it was a good first day. The live stream, I think, was still a success uh, for the Ontario Hockey League. They made the night a pretty good event. They had interviews throughout the night, which was cool. And uh, yeah, just another one in the books. And a lot of these kids look into the future. A lot of these GMs, especially the ones out of the playoffs or the ones that didn't make the playoffs, it's their playoff. They're yeah, they're excited because they want it to be August or September first, so training camp can start. They can see these guys on OHL rinks competing against OHL guys, and it, again, you look at the draft as something that yeah, it's just a stepping stone, but it, but it's a huge event. Getting drafted into the OHL, whether or not you go professional or you head to U Sports or what it may be, it's you know it's a big moment in someone's life, someone's career. And it's always a nice event to cover this year. And the fact that we actually have playoffs during it kind of makes it difficult for us in terms of availability voices and voices. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And we're, we're talking about, of course, our two previous draft shows. We've had what three guests on each show. Like we're kind of there to load up. Yeah. Yeah. Here this year, it's a little bit tougher. So we're still going to, try and cover the draft as much as possible, at least the first round. And then maybe just from an overall standpoint, we'll pick out a couple teams and kind of look at how they, uh, how they did throughout the weekend, but it's still going to be a fun show because we can't wait for some of these guys to play in the Ontario hockey league. And we're looking at right at the 07 born Michael Misa, number one overall selection by Saginaw. So Colin, but before we get into the picks, before we get, a deeper dive into all of these players. So just, just your overall thoughts on the weekend, kind of, you know, surprises or standouts that you kind of had. Yeah, really long weekend. And that was a long weekend. Like the draft's always long. Mm-hmm. Like it always drags on as you get close. As you get from once you get to round 10, it's like, okay, like let's get a move on here. But yeah, there were some surprises. There were some really good picks. Some teams had really efficient drafts. I thought, like, I thought, Honestly, props to the Niagara Ice Dogs for their draft. I mean, don't know about you, but they got three guys to play for the next year already. Mm-hmm. Like, I can feel comfortable with. Like, I mean, Villanueva, their third round pick, their third pick that they had in their draft, is a really good player. He's a guy that can play on the third line and end up playing on the top line at Christmas. Like, they got a pair. Then plus, they get my favorite defense, my favorite player, not defenseman, my favorite player in the draft and defenseman, um, Sam Dickinson from Toronto. I mean, that kid's a star already. He looks like a man child out there. So they had a good draft. I, I really liked the Dickinson pick. Um, you were on, was, you had that called from day one. I think, yeah, since the OHL Cup. Yeah. I think the first day of the OHL Cup, when you see the top five, you knew who the top two were going to be. It was a question between three and four mm-hmm. picks there. Sudbury is when the draft I thought was going to get interesting just because you didn't know what they could do. They had an option. Because when you watch Sudbury play, okay, they make the Thompson trade. You look at their team, right? Their, the bread and butter of Sudbury, their strength out of the three categories is their four, is their forwards, in my opinion. You trade Thompson, it looks like, okay, you need defense. 
I we we both knew that Edgar Ice Dogs need defense, so we knew that we was going to get interesting because you could see if Sudbury took a defenseman, it would have been interesting to see what the Niagara Ice Dogs would have done. I mean, obviously, they probably could have got a good defenseman in the second round, but when you have a top five pick and you have a chance to get a top two defenseman in the draft, that four, you got to mm-hmm. do it. And hey, they got the best player in the draft, in my opinion, in Dickinson. I was very, I was impressed that he went fourth. I was kind of surprised because everything I see of him is a star. Um, that was a really good pickup for them. Um, I also really liked the Van Volsen pick for Peterborough. I thought Peterborough had a really good value draft. Got a bunch of Peterborough's draft board was that prototypical. Okay, you look at the OHL Central Scouting draft board, and you're like, all right, here's the right. Like you stay on the list, right? Like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, right? Like when we go to games, you see in the media room, you hear like scouts say, okay, what did so-and-so put on their board today? Like the, those quote-unquote insiders or draft specialists don't really have – yeah, they have the draft board, but NHL teams don't really follow that. Neither do OHL teams for that matter. They have their own draft board. And that was a really good pick, Van Bolson. Peter Brill, their draft board was very similar to what you could see publicly on the OHL Central Scouting report because it was very close. Uh, Van Volsen, a very good season. I was very impressed with that pick. Um, 110 points in 57 games. <laughs> Not bad, eh? That's a, that's a good pick of six. That's a good pick <laughs> of six. And here's, and here's another thing, too, for the listeners. Here's another thing for the listeners. You've got to remember, when these kids are 18 years old, how, like, what's their size going to be? Like, Dickinson 6'2", going to Niagara, Porter Morton going to Sarnia is six, two. I like that. So they put six, two and a half for, for Mark. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> About the three quarters. But, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, I like that one too. I saw that on the board and I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. That's interesting. Should have just rounded yeah. up, but yeah. No, no. I, yeah. I, I agree with you. And, Again, it's tough to judge a 16-year-old. Oh, why'd they, why'd they exactly. go with him? They, they need size. They need, you talk about the London Knights right now going through a tough playoff series with the Kitchen Rangers. Um, oh, London's so small up front. They better draft uh, size. Um, they got size in this priority end. selection. I'm like, yeah, which is yeah. funny because they have size on the back end right now. But, um, yeah. you, you know, you look at it and you're thinking, 16-year-olds that have a – 80 point impact their first year. Very rare, unless you are an absolute <laughs> stud. Man, so, 50 points. 50 points is yeah. kind of rare for the rookie nowadays. Exactly. And that, that's where you look at it as, and to your point about you know, what they're going to look like when they're 18 years old. And Sam Dickinson has a good shot to be at least 6'4 in two years. You know, Martin could be pushing six, four, six, five as well. You know, that half, that half extra inch could, you know, really put him over the top to make him six, five. But um, <laughs> I say that as a joke, <laughs> but who knows? They could be, but it's just, it's, it. it's, if you're, if your team is drafting as high as Saginaw, Erie, Sudbury, uh, Niagara, Sarnia, even Peterborough and Ottawa get into that seventh pick, it's, it's going to be tough to go for a championship the very next year. So if you're expecting this 16 year old or in Saginaw's case, 15 year old to come in and immediately, yeah. And immediately be at the top of the scoring list. Yeah. You need to, 
check and, to see how hockey actually works because it doesn't work and, that way. And you know the WHL is going to go through this too, Reese, where like you look at the exceptional status players, and it actually kind well, of. Well, I mean, Connor, but that's not fair. Exactly, but here's the right. point, though. Here, yeah, but here's my point of this. It actually kind of hurts the guys coming after that because how do you match that? Like Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid was mm-hmm. kind of that guy in the OHL. Yeah. Tavares, so they were so big. Except Tavares was probably the biggest exceptional status player of all time in my life. Thing that was like the biggest deal when John Tavares got exceptional status. Like that was massive. But then like McDavid was that phenom coming up. I remember minor midget when his games were on TV, and you're like, yeah. "Holy crap!" Like, like this dude's 15 and he's on national TV. Yeah, like, well, I mean, same with Shane Wright. The OHL Cup yeah. final broadcasted live on Sportsnet. Would have been nice to have that again, but um, well, look at Misa breaking McDavid's yeah, record exactly now. Now, now, next year, and you watch the press conference. I watched the press conference on Thursday, and the questions. I heard a question. Reach and I First of like, all, shout out to the Saginaw media. Oh my god, that room was full. Well, all the fans and stuff too. It was all fans and everything too. Like that yeah, was nice like, to see. You know, it's a big deal, right? That yeah. like. They had, what, like four or five cameras there for news, sports, all like stations? Like, holy crap. They made that an event. I really like like how Misa sounded. I thought he was very mature. Um, It didn't sound coached at all, which is very impressive, right? Because a lot of kids, you can tell, like, okay, they've been – their agent Mm -hmm. has had them coached. Like, they're they're prepared to do interviews. Like, I I didn't see that in Misa, so – I like that. I like that it was natural, right? Like you get the truth, like you get what they're actually going through. And you can see like he was nervous. Like, okay, this is culture shock, right? You're in a different country. You see all the different cameras there, all your season ticket holders there, everybody there. And it's like, oh wow, like this is uh, hey, you're not in minor midget anymore, kid. Like yeah. this is the big leagues now. And you're going back to question. NHL slap shot where you get that introduction from Bantam into the OHL. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking the one question is, like, when are you going to try to make the NHL? He's 15 years old, and there's a question asking a kid, asking a kid how, like, when he's going to make the NHL. Like, those are some big-time questions. Your first day, your first day you haven't even committed yet to the Saginaw Spirit, which he will. But he hasn't even committed yet. And the first question, his first public interviews, um, the one question, when are you going to make the NHL? Like, that's some big time well, pressure, I mean, right? Like, especially when, you, especially when you've got three years still to go. Whereas most rookies, yeah. they've only got the two, right? Whereas he's got that extra year. Where, okay, he's he's got a little bit more time. Like, like I said, please don't expect uh, like Connor Bedard numbers. Even at the same time, like year. at the same time, how do you not look at Connor Bedard and expect that in Michael Misa's second year? Well, you look at the last exceptional players, right? Yeah, Shane Wright, yeah, yeah, Connor Bedard in the West, and then now Michael Misa. Like, that's tough company. That's very tough company for him. And, uh, yeah, that was cool. I have the one quote from Michael Misa. I was going to say, yeah, we uh, might as well get into it now for anyone that missed it, even though I don't know you how you would have missed it. Michael Misa drafted first overall in this year's OHL priority selection. Uh, yeah. Five, nine, and three quarters. <laughs> Hey, just mentioned 150, 157 from the Mississauga Senators coming off an OHL Cup title, an OHL Cup MVP type of tournament. Yeah, might as well get that out of the way and we'll get into the player right now, Wardy. 
Um, you're going to read this quote in a second, but just, just as an overall player, the Saginaw spirit, and I heard the media ask him about Cole Perfetti and kind of the impact yes. that like, maybe not impact on him, like personally as a player, but just, you know, his impact with the Saginaw spirit and the community in Saginaw and how he grew uh, to be a top 10 pick in the NHL, just, you know, kind of talking about that. And it was really interesting to hear what he said. Like, like obviously being in Ontario, your main focus is not going to be in the Saginaw spirit, Flint Firebirds, Erie Otters. Like you're more than likely a huge fan of one of the 17 Ontario based teams, which is totally, totally acceptable. It's totally understandable, but yeah. But the fact that he knew so much about Perfetti and you can do all the research in the world, of course, but um, just, just to hear him talk about Perfetti and, you know, the player he yeah. was, you're kind of like, all right, Nisa's ready to go because he's going to be that guy. He's the new Cole Perfetti and he's going to try to exceed expectations that a lot of people had for Cole. So it's, it's almost like he's already prepared for that challenge. And remember, because Perfetti they're asking him about it already. And remember, Perfetti came on the scene there and sat on scoring. He scored a lot. And that was the, that's tough shoes to fill, right? And obviously, yeah. probably Cole Perfetti, one of their top alumni. I mean, Brandon Sad out there. There's a couple of guys from Saginaw who were very good coming out of the Saginaw program. And Nisa is probably the most highly touted going in. Cole Perfetti being a top pick at that time, one of their top picks they've ever had. Um, Nisa, Nisa's the top, right? So that's pretty cool. It's uh, big shoes to fill. And um, the, first quote, the first quote I have here, Reese, from what he had to say, it's truly an honor to see how much passion the city has. That was it, that quote. It kind of struck. It kind of stuck out to me just because, like, when you walk in there, it's kind of mind blowing, right? Like, it's like, like I mentioned, like you're here. Like, it's like culture shock. So, I want to mention that because, like, he walks into a room and you see about what would you say, hundred bands. Yeah, probably between 75 and hundred. It was in the concourse. It was in the concourse there, like yeah. by the ticket office at, at the Dow. So I'd yeah, say probably like add another, what, 10 media members, maybe 10 to 12 was, media members, something like that. For that area, it was full to capacity. They could yeah. not let another 10 people in there. It would be yeah. out the doors. Mm-hmm. So that, that was pretty cool to see him walk in there. And his points this past season in the GTHL for a 15 year old definitely deserve exceptional status, Reese. I mean, mm-hmm. 93 points in 55 games, plus 79. That's deserving. Plus, you go to the plus that doesn't even include the OHL Cup. Yeah. So that's deserving, in my opinion. I I'm glad he got exceptional status. Um, I can tell you though, Robrick and London not getting exceptional status in the next year's draft. Very intriguing. That London Junior Nice team is going to be loaded with him and Weir returning. Two guys that went yeah. through the process, but they didn't go through the process. They were talking about it. Yeah. Well, well, and ta- just talking about me, I've got his elite prospects page up here just so, you know, I can have the numbers up ready to go. And this, this kind of stood out to me. You don't really expect people to be tracking these, these stats, but I'm going to go all the way back to 2016, 17. Jeez. I made it sound like that was 20 years ago, but uh, <laughs> going back to that season, Michael Misa with the Toronto Bulldogs, uh, they have his stats up here from the brick invitational. Hey, just to just to tell you how elite he is, uh, plus minus they didn't keep track of. I wouldn't if I was that. You know, imagine Peewee, but yeah, right. Um, <laughs> you, you talk about his points in the OHL Cup. Twenty, he had ten and ten uh, goals and assists in that Brick Invitational in sixteen seventeen. 
played six games, so one less than the OHL Cup. Six goals, 12 assists, a total of 18 points in six games. Um, he had a little bit of roughness, rough and toughness in his game back then. Ten penalty minutes in six games, which, I mean, whatever. That's actually not that bad. It's uh, not too bad. It's 22 compared to, Yeah, compared to none in the OHL Cup this yeah. past year. So just, I like that, though. Yeah, the fact that he was putting these points up, but what? 2016-17 was five, six years ago. We're talking nine, ten years old. Yeah, pretty good. People who were tracking that saw this coming. Yeah, it's not a surprise. That's for yeah. sure. Well, no, but the, yeah. one, the one big thing for me that stood out, and I had to watch a couple of videos on him before. Uh, you know, I did kind of an intermission segment in Niagara with Ted. Uh, just kind of about, cause we knew the ice dogs weren't making the playoffs. We knew they were going to get top four picks. So he's like, you know what? Let's look to the future. So had me on and watched a couple of videos. And the one that stood out to me was, you know, there was a camera behind the net behind the, behind the offensive zone net, I should say of Michael Misa didn't have the puck. He was, well, his head was moving a lot more than you would normally see yeah. from all these players. And it was, not a lot of the time it was focused on the puck. It's just, you see him looking at where everyone else is. And of course he knew where the puck was just that's how good he is. That's how good all these players are. You know where the puck is at all times, but yeah. you see him glancing around just at the defense where his own teammates are. So he Reads knows where, well. to get, yeah, where he knows to get into the open spots. And that's where you saw a lot of his goals was he was able to sneak in behind defenders where they didn't catch him. And, of course, being 15, being a little bit smaller, that kind of helps. But well, but it's just yeah. his awareness of what's going to happen five seconds after he takes a look at the situation at that moment in time is he's able to predict what's going to happen. He's able to get in spots that guys aren't. Yeah. He's able to find his teammates um, in ways that a lot of other people wouldn't. And it's just it, it was cool to see that view of that camera right behind the net, right at eye level for Misa, just to see him just moving his head around on a swivel, just, okay. Yep. I got two guys up here. My one D man is along the boards. I got another one, uh, center of the blue line. I've got a winger just to my left. I've got another winger up top, the face off circle. Well, I'm going to be open here and they're going to find the, they're going to find me with the puck and just the, that that's sometimes it's not fair. That's why he's so status player. That's why he's got it is because a lot exactly. of the times it isn't fair for the opponents. So Thank that's you. just that, that I'm, I'm excited to see that at the OHL level. Will Saginaw put him in a situation like that where he's kind of below the net, you know, as an option? We'll have to wait and see. But that that was a cool that was a cool view. So yeah, shout out he, to the guy who shot that. Yeah, I like those minor midget cams where they put them right behind the glass so they can put the camera up on a ladder, yeah. right above, right behind the mesh. I think that's a perfect spot behind. Behind the visiting, behind the other team's net or behind your own net, easily set up too. I think that looks pretty sharp because then they, you see the play coming at you and you see it going away from you. And yeah, that's the thing that makes guys so good, right? They're not just highly skilled physically, mentally, they're strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, to go through that exceptional status process, you got to be mentally strong. The testing they put you through is it's probably one of the toughest testing he's going to go through in his life for, or in his hockey career for that matter. Like, it's a tough test to get exceptional status. And like that's like Shane Wright, right? Because like remember Shane Wright, like everyone thought, well, his foot speed, he's not like everyone didn't people didn't know what he was, right? Because he didn't everyone knew obviously he was elite, his exceptional status. He, he thought the game better than anybody. Mm-hmm. But like 
he wasn't he didn't have the fastest foot speed, right? He didn't think, okay, his foot speed is not the fastest, but he got the pucks. He knew where pucks were. And it's kind of like that Wayne Gretzky line where Wayne Gretzky knew where the puck was going before it got there. That's kind of what Michael Misa's video reminds me of too as well. It's kind of like he knows where it's going. And like, <laughs> like it feels like the average person would just predict that, right? And just like wherever it winds up, oh, nice, I'll buy a lottery ticket. Fear of luck on that one. But, like, he knows where it's going. He predicts the game very well. And his IQ level is second to none in the draft class, that's for sure. Um, but that's the thing, right? The skill nowadays in the minor midget level, it's so good. I mean, minor midget hockey is incredible. And, I mean, this step, yeah, it's a big difference. Obviously, each step's a big difference. But that it's very good hockey right now. And uh, the skill is better than it's ever been. I mean, look at the playoffs right now around the OHL. The pace is so fast. It's physical. You know, in a regular season, we were getting all these calls, all these suspensions. Now we look at it and it's like, okay, I like this. Right? Like, let's let the boys play. Let's let's see the flow here. And it's been a very exciting playoff. And it, it just attributes to that with how minor midget hockey is going right now because it's so fast. And the skill, it's all skill. It's all skill. You see kids practicing the Michigan and warm-ups and stuff. You would never see that. Yeah. Lot, Pre-COVID, you would never see that. Now you see it like three or four times in warm-ups. Right? You see kids stick handling, doing the puck on the stick, they're off the skate. Like it's changed so much the game, and well, uh, it's well, all skill. Yeah, just speaking about that, and I know we're biased to this, but with Moritz Sider with Detroit, you see him spinning the puck on his stick, yeah. like in warm ups for like at least 30 seconds. You're like, how the hell is he doing that? And it's just well, like you said, that's just that's where these players are at when they're well, from Shane the ages Wright. 18 to 20. Like that's that's just what they are right now. Like legit, like on it. If anyone on or anyone on Instagram, I sound like a dinosaur when I say that. But anyone, <laughs> on, any anyone on Instagram, well, I am old school. But anyone on Instagram that uh, follows the Kingston Frontenacs, check out their warm up. Look at Zade Wisdom and Shane Wright. Shane Wright's there for like thirty to forty seconds doing it, and Zade Wisdom's right beside him doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like the skill on these kids. I never saw Patrick Kane do that. And Patrick Kane's Patrick Kane. I never saw Corey Perry do that. I mean, growing up around the London Knights, right, you can see all those alumni. Never saw John Tavares do that. Like, it's just like, you never saw that. Now every kid in warm-up, they're doing the Michigan. Like, I could think of fourth line guys right now in the OHL that could pull out the Michigan. That's how skilled, that's how skilled the league is. I can think of guys that are on the fourth line that can pull it off. Navarin Mutter is in warm-ups right now for the Kitchener Rangers doing the Michigan. Navarin Mutter. Like, well, guys, you know? who would have thought? No, <laughs> like, no but I mean, e- even talking like the Hamilton Bulldogs, their warmups. I can't remember if it was if it was Diaco Hayes or Diaco, but Diaco loves it since he did it. Who, whoever it was, I think it was Cammer. He was moving pucks out of the net just to the blue line, just so they could get their drills ready to go. So you know, he'd shoot four or five pucks at a time, and you see Diaco. He's working on his stick hand, like as the pucks are moving, yeah, the him, like going going through the pucks. Like I've never I've never seen that before from anybody in the league. It's crazy how skilled it is. It's honestly it's insane. Like remember, you see all these highlight reel goals, and once a year we'd see a goal where the Mitch Marner goal. Like once a year we'd see a goal like that, and that's the goal of the year. The one, year are you I talking the like, one on Ned? Yes, the ice dogs. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah, it was actually, it was, and then, that was pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, like that's not Alex Nadelkovich, like that's an yeah. NHL goaltender. Yeah. Like, that's great. Like, that was the goal of the year. Now, you think every other week, you're I'm on Twitter, one of us is on Twitter thinking goal of the year candidate. 
Mm-hmm. It's crazy how much it changes. You're seeing goal, goal of the year candidates like every other weekend right now in the OHL. That's how skilled it is. And I don't think the skill of this league has ever been higher than what it is now. Mm-hmm. Every kid can skate. There isn't any skating issues anymore. You like, remember before the fourth line guys that they made, like they weren't good skaters, you know, they were just there to hit. Now it's not like that. So it's really intriguing to see like where Misa sits in on Saginaw, but like, it's just cool to see how much the game's evolved. And it's in a good way. The playoffs right now is perfect hockey. It's physical. There's no fight. There's, there hasn't been that many fights, right? Nobody's complaining. I, I haven't saw one person complain. Obviously, the lines need to drop the puck. They need to do that. Yes. Yes, they and, do. Um, and uh, they got to get video review, right? That's for sure. Three video reviews on Sunday in London. That's terrible. That is terrible. That's for where bad. we're. For, and they still got calls wrong. And they still got at least <laughs> they still got all three of them wrong. <laughs> where, was the, where where was the kick it? Where was the kick in on Patizian's goal? Um, yeah, that's where where, uh... where was the inter, where was the interference on the London third goal? Yeah, the fourth goal. Where was the interference there? I saw a cross check by the Kitchener defenseman into London player that's going into the goalie. So you're kind of where's he going to go? You're pushing him into your own goalie. It's the yeah. dumbest play in hockey, but. Where's that one? And then the other goal that counted for Kitchener, Patizian hit Brochu's glove. I mean, if that's not interference, how do you reach through somebody's body? I don't know. Like, how do you reach through a body to stop the puck? So mm-hmm. they got them all wrong. So they got all of them wrong on the review. I didn't see a kick in on Patizian. So I don't get it. But well, shout, out to, just shout out to Mike Farwell for going slow mo on Twitter. Where is it? Like, I honestly, like, video review and linesman needing to drop the puck. Those are my two bugaboos right now in the Ontario Hockey League. Next week I'll have another one, but those, those two are right now because if you're going to use a coach's challenge, don't even worry about the tablet. Just go back upstairs. Yeah. Just go back upstairs and get the call right. Because you got to remember, these referees are going through all the same adrenaline as what they're going through on the benches. So why not, right? Yeah. Just call it. Just go upstairs. All right. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Uh, that, got, that came to mind. No, you're good. Uh, so, yeah, Michael Misa, he's going to make an impact right away for the Saginaw Spirit, and we're all for it. Uh, moving on, yeah, number two. Eight. Sorry. Also, one more thought. Story. Yeah, sorry. Exceptional status. Talking about exceptional status. Previous exceptional status, Shane Wright just scored an OT winner against the Oshawa Generals. So, Sunday night, he scores an OT winner, Shane Wright. Against the Oshawa Generals, tied to, to eliminate Oshawa. Yeah, so that's because we're talking about exceptional status. Shane Wright, as we're yeah. recording the draft part on a Sunday night, so that's cool. That worked out. Uh, yeah, yeah. number number two, we're staying in Mississauga with the Senators. Um, going to the Erie Otters, Malcolm Spence, six foot one seventy five, left winger. Uh, Wardy, what's the book on Love him? What's book. what's Erie getting out of him? You know, I love this pick. Spence was my number one pick. I was always mentioning Spence, Malcolm Spence, mm-hmm. Malcolm Spence. I like this kid. Um, Mississauga is that team where you see every other team, the GTHL, right? You see the Don Mills, you see the junior Canadians, you see the junior Red Wing, and it's like, why can't we be in there? And this year, hey, that was nice to see them win the OHL Cup, right? They had their chance. They had their they had their glory. So uh, congrats to the Mississauga Junior Senators First off, it's heck of a draft too. But Malcolm Spence, you get the big kid. I mean, six foot, he plays like he's six two already. So once he once he grows into that body type, 
you're going to get a star in this league. I mean, 100 points in 56 games this year, plus 77, 32 penalty minutes. I like to think Erie can play him in all situations. And they need – Erie is a perfect pick. Spence is a perfect pick because you see the guys that are losing, right? They're going to lose some forwards. Mm-hmm. They need a forwards. That's a nice pick. That's a nice add. Score up the wing. I wonder if they play him some center a little bit as he transitions, as he gets older. Mm-hmm. But you never know, right? It might be like a Luke Evangelista situation, right, where Evangelista just stays on the wing. So let him, uh, let him score goals out there. But really good player, good shot. Um, plays a good 200-foot game. Um, going to be a very good player in the entire hockey league. You're looking at a guy that's going to get 80 points when he's 18 years old in this league. So you're going to get a star. As expected, right, when you have a top four pick, when you're in the lottery, yeah. you're going to get a good pick, especially this year. I love this year's draft. Well, and that's the thing. You mentioned about he was the number one for you. Like, it's just all the video was on him. You're seeing what he was like. And, you know, just, again, just that just goes to show how good Misa is. But clearly he would have gone to Saginaw. Uh, yeah, Misa not got an exceptional status, which again, we're talking, yeah, right, but yeah, but yeah, I think I and I've always said this about guys who play with exceptional status players is no, separate yourself from that because a lot of the heat is not heat, but a lot of the focus is on that exceptional guy, it's just that word, it just seems to you know, separate you from everyone else, which it should. I'm not saying it shouldn't, but I, I like these guys because I like to see what happens to them in their first year in the Ontario Hockey League. They're playing against older guys where they're not with Misa, and this isn't knocking anybody, but let, let, I can't wait to see Jordan Spence to what he can do, you know, well, without Misa and with a group to help him guide, help guide him along and just, you know, the Erie Otters, you're going to get Dave Brown. Um, you know, right on that. He's going to take care of them. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for Erie with this pick. And, you know, we talk about how good the Otters were uh, minus their start of the year and kind of the last few games, five or six games for the Otters weren't the greatest, but um, they're going to be good. The Erie Otters will be really good a lot sooner than people think. And this pick just Malcolm Spence is going to step right in there and have an impact for sure. I'll look at the number two pick in 2019 behind Shane Wright. Brandon Austin's pretty good. Yeah. So, anytime you get an exceptional status player in a draft, you know it's a good draft. Yeah. I haven't had an except. I haven't saw an exceptional status player where it hasn't been a good draft. So, that's good. Very that's true. a captain obvious key of the week for me this week. All good. <laughs> All right, number three, the Sudbury Wolves. Lucked out last year getting the number one overall pick, Quentin Musty. Uh, they're in the top three again this year. They take Nathan Villanueva from the Nave, Nav and Grads U18s. Yeah, U18. That's a good. Yeah, U18 because they're six not feet, out there in Ottawa. Six foot one eighty three. That's a. You know, honestly, I love the move here. If you're in the Ottawa area, I mean, to be able to play in that U18 league, and you see with the way the league's shifting, right? So many teams are adapting the model where. We like guys that play against older competition because it's an easier transition, right? You're mm-hmm. playing against 18-year-olds at, at 15. That's going to be a huge difference when you get in the OHL. It's an easier transition. Um, Bill away is a really good center, a good 200-foot center. He looks like a man-child already. He looks good <laughs> his video. He watches video. He watches interviews. I mean, you're thinking, this kid's like 18. Like, yeah. check the birth certificate. But, like, it's crazy how um, 
intelligent he is. Um, very competitive. I mean, yeah, you say competitive, right? Like, yeah, every hockey player is competitive. But, like, he has that swagger to him, you know? Like, when he's out there, he controls the game. It's his game. It's his puck. He's going to own it. You got to take it away from him. And uh, I, I like the way he plays. 67 points in 30 games. Really good hockey player. A lot of penalty minutes, 79 penalty minutes. But, hey, I don't mind that against older competition, right? That's going to slow down the right situation. He goes to Sudbury. That's going to be under control. Um, really good pick. I, I mean, the top four were set in stone. We just didn't know what order they were going to go. Obviously, Misa won. Spence, two. Three, four was kind of questionable. I like the pick, though. Very good pick. Yeah. Well, you talk about a guy getting experience in more than one league, and I think that just helps yeah. wonders. You talk about um, – him with the U18 club also playing seven games in the CCHL seven games, no points, but I don't look at that as a bad thing. 18 penalty minutes, which again, that that'll clean up Sudbury, uh, the Ontario hockey league. They'll clean that up as his development goes along, but um, just you like playing with different guys. That That's just my take on it. I always enjoyed yeah. I always enjoyed having different guys around and I can't say a whole lot in terms of hockey but you know in, in terms of baseball playing with not all of your teammates throughout the year going on different teams playing on 3 4 teams a year that that benefits guys as much as you think oh they're moving around too much not when you're 15 16 years old it's because you experience different guys. And what I mean by that is one guy will be that rough and tough physical guy that you'll see on one team that you won't have on another, or you'll have a guy like Michael Misa on your team who can just flat out stick handle around anyone and skate around anyone that you won't have on a particular team. Right. It's, it's, it's seeing how different guys play with you instead of against you. Yeah. Because the guys you're playing against aren't going to teach you a damn thing. <laughs> and then, and hey, it's, it's all those extra guys that you get to play with that and just hey, add to target. it. When you go play in the junior league up there, they know who you are when you're ranked that high on the OHL draft board. Mm-hmm. Trust me, there's scouts in the building watching that game because he's playing against order competition. They are going to be watching that. And the other team knows that. And they're going to take – you're going to be a target. You're going to be a target. It reminds me, I have a story because – um. I was fortunate enough. I used to practice with the with the Brantford 99ers, the AAA team. So it was always cool. I went out to a couple practices, and I remember the shots were just so different, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not the same thing. And it's funny because, like, when you're playing older competition, like, obviously for a goal, it's different than a forward. But, like, it's just different. The puck's faster. It moves quick. Um, the skating's a lot faster. I mean, it's smooth. The systems are a lot different, right? They know the system. Like, you're, you feel like a step behind, you know, like when you don't know the system and like, you have to just feel a little off. So everything's just different. Everything moves faster and it's, it's a good transition. It's a, it's probably a huge key of his development to play those games in, in the junior league there for sure. Yeah. All right. Number four, the Niagara ice dogs, the last place team in the Ontario hockey league picks fourth. What up Red Wings fans? And they got the best player, the most side. <laughs> yeah, Sam Dickinson, 6'2", 190 from the Toronto Marlboros. Hmm. Hey, my, he, I have it. Oh, he does not. Damn. He has the reverse birthday of me. He was born June 7th. I was born July 6th. 
Oh, I was going to say, damn, that'd be pretty dope. But uh, Sam Dickinson, big defenseman. Uh, we've talked about it. Niagara losing Dakota Betts. Not that he was huge, but he was their captain. Best defenseman. Wasn't even close. And Sam Dickinson will come in and he won't take over year one, but watch out year two, three, and four because yeah. Niagara, when they're winning, their defensemen are huge. So yeah. watch out for Sam Dickinson because when he is 17, 18 years old, that's when the Niagara Ice Dogs are going to be good. That is when they will start competing for a championship again. You know what? Like, I know I've said it a bunch, but Dickinson, my favorite player in the draft, and this kid's going to be their top defenseman by Remembrance Day. He's going to be good. All right. So clip that. Mark Mark your words. Sam Dickinson will be the best defenseman for the Niagara Ice Dogs come Remembrance Day. It's always a fun Remembrance Day. A month in. Meridian Center, but Mark Collins' words. He said it right here on the OHL and 60 podcast. We are recording on Sunday, May 1st, just after 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. The day, but... Yeah, Sam Dickinson is going to be on their top pair by Remembrance Day. Because you think about it, Cam Allen was on Guelph's top pairing mm-hmm. time Remembrance Day. Why not Dickinson? Dickinson reminds me of Owen Powell. I watch – and cool, because I got to see um, – I got to see video of Owen Power who played with a couple show guests and Jakey Birdie and uh, Jonah DeSimone in Reminder Midget Year. And I got to see um, how Owen Power was. He never had the points like Dickinson – but you look at the body types and the way they play, it's so close. And honestly, Dickinson, he's the real deal. Um, Niagara fans should be excited for this. I mean, is he, he the top defenseman they've ever had in their uh, franchise in the draft? Nice dogs? Yeah, in Niagara. He has to be the top defenseman they've t- taken. Like They've never taken Def- a top five defenseman, have they? Yeah, I was going to say, definitely the highest with them not – this being the first yeah. year of them not making the playoffs. Um, of course, he's got a lot of expectations to live up to in terms of Dougie Hamilton. Um, yeah. But, but and then can, I go say No, but you can, you, compare him, top you can pair him to other guys. Like it's, you're talking about their 2016 team and not that these guys are in the NHL or anything, but in terms of their impact on defense and big bodies, Aaron Hayden, I've mentioned it, Aaron Hayden, Ryan Mantha, just, yeah. Obviously, Dickinson, he's going to have that shot at the NHL. The that, that, that's just the type of player he is. Like you said, Owen Power. Anyone who gets compared we'll to Owen him. Power will have a ch- really good chance at the, OA, or at the NHL. But you talk about him, and I, I think we can see the potential to be a Dougie Hamilton-like presence in the Ontario Hockey League. Of course, Hamilton, part of that 2012 Ice Dogs club that lost in five to London. They got one game that year compared to 2016. But um, yeah, I think, and and it's what Niagara needed. It was, we said it from day one, got into it with with one or two guys there, Wardy, about taking Dickinson and taking a defenseman. And they did. I didn't, you did. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I had a lot of criticism about taking defense. I remember when they lost the lottery, I think I was almost celebrating because I didn't you were. They could get the because def- they get the defenseman and now they yeah. got the defenseman and now. And now all of a sudden what's going to happen. And this is my method. This is my math. And if I'm a general manager in the Ontario hockey league, national hockey league, and I'm not comparing him to any other player in the draft class, just players in general. If you had to close your eyes and pick a player, 
six two one ninety five defenseman or a five eight winger that's one sixty five. Yeah. What are you picking? I'm picking that six two one ninety five defenseman. All I day. mean, you're gonna you're not gonna take Mo Sider. Like you're like Simon Edmondson <laughs> being Wayne five fans, teams did, like, and we're exactly. laughing at them. Yeah, yeah, like. Not that he was going first, but. And, you know, like, and it's cool because I had some really good talks with some writers with the Detroit Red Wings. And it was cool talking about when they took Simon Edmondson over William Eklund, right? And you're thinking uh, Steve Eisenman's quote, and that struck me ever since because it makes perfect sense. It's logic. A 5'9 winger or a 6'6 defenseman. It's just clear. And I, I'm, I fell in love with defense this year. I think Dickinson's really good. You build from the back out. Niagara needed defense. Mm-hmm. I know I got criticized a little bit there when I uh, was almost celebrating that they did. Yeah, but I mean, defenseman, I, but. I mean, you got the goaltenders, you got Rosenswag, you got Costanzo ready to go for the future. Now it's got the back end's turn. You, repl- you replace bets on, on the blue line with Dickinson. Okay, and then the rest of the focus is to build around Pano Femis, Aiden Castle, get that group ready to go. So, yeah, yeah Niagara. A- Niagara, they're not starting from scratch, but obviously there's a lot of changes on the way for that franchise. And yeah, yeah. they're going to have a new identity. That's for sure. uh, Come the 2022, 2023 season. So yeah. Good Good start. On to pick number five, Porter Martone, Sarnia sting select uh, six, two and a half, one seventy one from the Toronto junior Canadians, right winger um, heads to Sarnia as we are currently recording they are more than likely on their way to the golf course because the Windsor Spitfires are playing really well but what do you see from him with that impact in Sarnia I see a big power forward and it's funny he's out of Peterborough you see a big forward come out of Peterborough before in uh old school Mickey Redmond so that's pretty cool um yeah, Porter Martone, what a hockey name, too. That's going to be on the name bracket. Oh, yeah. He's really sliding it up in the OHL. But 53 games, 104 points. He's 6'2 and a half, 171 pounds. Just as it fell out a little bit. I mean, those tall, lanky guys, you don't really see those tall, lanky guys mm-hmm. come up to the OHL year one and, like, light it up, right? Like, they still got to go – they still got to fill out to their bodies because he's not going to be 171. He's going to be about 6'4", 200, like 195, 200. And – for that app for that height right so that's going to be interesting to see how he fills out he still needs time to go into his body but 104 points in 53 games a minor midget heck of a year last year for him um i really like the pick uh if you weren't going to take dickinson you're going to take my that's mm-hmm. where i look at it but what a player he is he's going to be effective up and down the wing you know hard on the four check let's see how he looks um next season because he's gonna have a good shot and sign it that's for sure and yeah. Sarnia, and when you watch Sarnia play, in this, in, especially in the playoff series, you watch them play and you look at their forwards. They don't have that big power guy that can go up and down the wing. If they had, if they had Martone in the series against Windsor, what does that look like? Right, like mm-hmm. you get a big guy in that lineup all of a sudden. Okay, right, defenseman can't get through to you now, right? Like you get to go through them. So that's a that's gonna that's an interesting pick. That's gonna help them in the long run. I like the pick. All right, that is the top five for this year, the 2022 OHL priority selection. Misa to Saginaw, Spence to Erie, 
Villanueva to Sudbury, Dickinson to Niagara, and Martone goes to Sarnia. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back and finish the rest of the first round, uh, break it all down for you. And then, of course, um, this is the longer episode being the priority selection special. Uh, We will get into the playoffs because it's playoffs, and we're going to talk about it. So that is how we will finish up the show. But right now we'll take a break, come back uh, with the other 18 picks in the first round. You're listening to the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Picks six through 23 now. And of course, compensatory picks. There were three of them in round number one. That's why we had 23 players taken in the first round, but we will press on. Uh, Starting number six in Peterborough, Jack Van Volsen goes to the Peets. 6'1, 169 from the Toronto Junior Canadians. Yeah, that's a kid there. He's just going to get bigger. I mean, you're looking at 6'3", 190. Time he's done 169. It's a little thin, but he'll get bigger. He'll fill out 110 points in 57 game trees. Solid player, almost 50 goals. So that's a stat that really sticks out. We see the 46 goals. Mm-hmm. That uh, That's impressive. Number seven, Ottawa 67s take Henry Muse, a defenseman, 5'11 and three quarters, 175 pounds. Also a Toronto junior Canadian. Yeah, and Muse and Ben Danford fighting for that. Who's going to be that second defenseman taken? Um, Muse, it was going to Ottawa. Nice pick, hometown kid, right? That's nice. You can play in your hometown. You know all about it. 78 points in 52 games. He was that power play quarterback for, the, that, for that strong Toronto Junior Canadiens team. Number eight, the Oshawa Generals take Beckett Seneke, left winger, 5'10", 150. Very small young man. From the Toronto Marlboros. Yeah, what a name. What a name. Got the, old, bad, uh, eh? got the old Boston Red Sox, Josh Beckett. Seneke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to love saying that. Seneke. Small game. Get the voice crack. Oh, but yeah, 78 points in 45 games for Seneke. Just got a Seneke. I'm going to have fun with that one. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the OHL. Uh, number nine, the Kitchener Rangers. Select Michael Hage, six foot one sixty eight, Toronto Junior Canadians once again. Yeah, really good player. But here's the thing, right? With that Chicago Steel commit, that's the one thing. This might yeah. be a kid that we don't see till he's drafted, right? We're similar to the Sasha Pastajov situation, where mm-hmm. you own their rights. You might see that with Logan Cooley this year too, in Hamilton or next year yeah. with the Hamilton Bulldogs. The Hamilton Bulldogs own Cooley's rights. Yeah. Um, Page 116 points in 57 games. Well, and that's the thing. I think we could have a discussion about this. Like, he's shown commitment to the Chicago Steel. How do you work this situation out? If you're the Kitchener Rangers, we go um, behind the scenes for them. Um, like, what, what's the thinking behind this? Because a lot of people are wondering that. You, you know, you have your first round pick and not saying Hage isn't worth being a first round pick, but he's shown his commitment to the Chicago Steel. Like, 
Like, what, what do you say if you're the Rangers to their fans saying, what the hell are you doing? Well, you know what you do? You just sell your uh, nine of your top ten scores are coming back next year. Kitchener's still going to be strong next year. And plus, they had a good draft last year. So, mm-hmm. but it's not terrible. It's it's a really good pick because, let's be honest, this could be the Kitchener Rangers uh, setting them up to for that uh, team that they're playing right now in a seven-game series. Uh, game six goes tonight. Um, maybe they kind of didn't want that team up the road in London yeah. to take them because I'm sure the London Knights would have been all over that pick just because he's the best player available on the draft board. And that's probably what Kitchener thought. He's your, draft, he's your best player available. We're going to take him. And, hey, we might get this kid when he's 18, right? His NHL team will say, no, you're not going to college. You are going yeah. to the Ontario Hockey League because that's where we want you to go, and that's what's best for you. Yeah. So they might do that because that's a, that's what happened with Sasha Passage with 12. Yeah. Anaheim Ducks said, no, you are going to the Ontario Hockey League. Um, I like George Burnett's system. You're going to the Ontario Hockey League, and now he's in the Ontario Hockey League for the rest of his history. Mm-hmm. So it could be that situation. This is a pick where the, it'll come to fruition when you're 18 years old. Well, you look at it too. Same with Daniil Gushin. Yeah, very, exactly. very, very good for the Muskegon Lumberjacks uh, last year. Could he have played in the AHL? Eh, maybe uh, San Jose. Say, you know, we're no, defense. Yeah, go to Niagara, play in the Ontario Hockey League, and be in the best developmental league in the world. Exactly. So, number ten, the Barry Colts. They take Cole Baudouin. 6'2", 190, 190 already at 16 years old. Uh, yeah, the Nepean Raiders, U18 team. I like this, right? It's another one of those U18 picks, right? You're playing in the league. You're playing against older competition. And when you look at Barry's roster, right, you look at their forwards and you look at their young forwards in particular, and you're like, okay, where's the size, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're kind of small. So this is a nice pick getting a guy that's 6'2". He could be about 6'4". When it's all said and done, for the Barry Colts, 77 points in 32 games there. You took the best player available with that pick, that's for sure. Number 11, the Owen Sound attack. Ben Cormier, 5'11", 175 uh, from the Navengrads U18 AAA. Yeah, and Cormier, that's an interesting pick. I like the pick. Um, really good player for Owen Sound. High point guy. Um, and 72 points in 30 games, right? That's a good pick. Playing against older competition. Similar, right? It's just a change. It's the OHL's changing in these GMs, these front offices. They're not – they know what they are doing, right? That's their job. If we know it, they know it. So, mm-hmm. they uh, – that's a really good pick. It's a, the new era, I guess, in the Ontario Hockey League draft with this U18 league and Navarin, a really good program as well. Um, but, yeah, 72 points in 30 games. Mm-hmm. Gulf Storm, Jet, by the way, big fan of this name, uh, Jet Luchenko, 5'10 and three quarters, 159. Uh, part of that very, very, very talented U16 London Junior Knights team. Yeah, very talented, very young U16 team. Yeah. Two uh, younger players playing up, 57 points in 27 games for London. You want to talk about a really good skater, Reese. This kid's a really good skater. You got to see him play in Junior B as well for Strathroy. Um, the perks of hockey TV, it's brilliant because all the Alliance, <laughs> all the AAA games are on there for the most part, and uh, all the Junior B games are on there. So when the guys get AP, you can see him in different situations. And uh, what a skater. What a skater this kid is. This kid's one of the best skaters in the Ontario Hockey League draft this year. So I'm very intrigued. Um, it's a tip- very typical George Burnett pick, right? He likes those types of players, the guys that skate. Got to be a good skater, um, mm-hmm. controls the puck well, sees the ice well. Like you said about um, 
Misa, here's another pick, right? CZ Ice, well, game comes slow to him. Nice pick. Number 13, local hey. pick from the Brantford yeah. 99ers, 5'10", 167, Lucas Carmiris. And I think we're going to go a bit on him, uh, local. We saw the, not rivalry, take place, but we saw that battle at the top of the alliance with Brantford and London. Um, Mississauga is getting a pretty good one. And you talk about good Brantford 99ers teams, you think back to, you know, that group that uh, Landon McCallum, uh, Maddox Callens was a part of. That was a very good team. You look at uh, the team Gavin Bryant led. Um, Yeah, this team was just as good as those teams, if not better. Yeah, this is probably the best team Brantford's ever had. Um, First time they've had two first-round picks. Our brand by the 99 program, so that's really cool. Um, Merrick and Lucas, congrats to them! Really good team. Um, Lucas Camaras, Alliance Player of the Year, minor player of the year. Um, what a player he is! Um, so here's a story, and I was lucky I got to see Branford play like 15 times this year because it's just up the road and it's easy to get to. So they're taught, they're down one, they're playing here on Perth on a Sunday afternoon. Here on Perth, pretty good team. Um, fifth in the fourth or fifth in the alliance. <sighs> had to get a, had a decent OHL cup. Had a OHL cup berth, so um, that's really good. But this is Lucas Carmiras. Late in the game, he gets the puck, goes end to end, sheds out to the right, passes it cross crease to his cousin Tommy Carmiras. Game's tied. He just does things that others don't, and that's what makes him so elite. He um, he just does. It felt like whatever he wants to out there, and. Really good player, 84 points in 34 games played. Really good. Uh, he's a star. He he was a mighty midget star. One of the best players of Bamford 99 have ever had, in my opinion. That good. Number 14, the Oshawa Generals take defenseman Ben Danford, six foot 176 from the Quinty Red Devils. Big Joel Vanderland guy. Well, it's funny because you see a London, Bramford, and a Quinty go back to back to back. So that's pretty funny yeah. that you see the three Not picks. Bad, eh? Joel, Joel Vanderland being from Belleville, you being from Brantford, and moving around London. And it's cool that you see three picks in a row. But, uh, yeah, Ben Danford, one of the best skaters I have ever saw in minor midget. Very good player. And that's another part about hockey TV, getting to see Quinty play all the time on Saturday afternoons before the OHL game starts. So it's nice before you go to Hamilton playing those 4 o'clock games. Always mm-hmm. had the press box, the Quinty game on, and be able to watch Quinty. So, uh Got to see them a few times. Uh, 29 points in 26 games. Plays all situations. He's a star. He's good. Um, he was my second defenseman. Him and uh, I mean, him and Muse were my battle for that second defenseman taken behind Dickinson. Really good player. Really good uh, for um, for Peterborough. Or for Oshawa, sorry. For Oshawa, they had Peterborough's pickup. For Oshawa. They had a really good draft. Uh, ben Danford, the third of six defensemen taken in round number one um on to pick number 15 the london knights they take luca testa six foot 166 from the niagara north stars u16 yeah and luca testa he was that leader for that niagara north stars team reese he he was the guy that similar to lucas carmiris when Brantford needed the big goal he did it for niagara north stars when you're playing in that league you're playing toronto teams and you're like we're going to come into Niagara, right? We're playing Niagara. We're going to run these guys over, and all of a sudden we lose 3-2. He has three points, two goals and an assist. He's that good. He can change the game. Nice pick. 
59 points in 22 games. And it's funny, with the London Knights, you always see that first-round pick their first year not have the big points, but in the playoffs, you'll see him all of a sudden, like how Denver Barkey looks this year. You'll see him all of a sudden playing a big role. The London Knights, they take their time with their first-round picks. You see that all a lot with them, and then all of a sudden you get the Luke Evangelista situation here too where he gets mm-hmm. like 60 points. So that's exciting. That's going to be intriguing to see because I like seeing how guys develop certain ways. Well, well, one prime example of that was that story from Mike Stubbs. I referenced that about the guys that were scratched for the Memorial yeah, Final. And that's just you, – you, you described that story just right there uh, off the bat with Testa. So – um, yeah, Cole Shear, Cole's yeah, the London Knights healthy scratch. I remember when Mike Stubbs told that story on the show. Cole Shearwood, Robert Thomas, Evan Bouchard, and Alex Formanton were their healthy scratch in the finals, Memorial Cup finals. All pro hockey players, all pretty good hockey players. I mean, you ever heard of them? Uh, I think so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, number 16, the Sioux Greyhounds. Uh, they take Christopher Brown, center, uh, 5'10, 156 from the North York Rangers. Yeah, nice player. 60 points in 46 games. He's um, one away from 20. Good two-way guy. Can take the big face-off in, in any end of the ice, which I like those guys that can take face-offs in any situation, right? Because you need that. You need to win those big defensive zones. Zone draws in the Ontario Hockey League. And if you can come into the Ontario Hockey League and win face-offs, that's big. Yeah, yeah we're a big uh, start-with-the-puck podcast. So. Yeah, hey, we don't yeah. like chasing. We don't yeah, like chase. Exactly. No dump and no dump and chase talk on this nope, podcast. Absolutely not. And no drop that. passes either. Yeah. Why would you want to drop the puck off and you get full speed and you have an easy entry? Why would we drop it 20 feet behind us? I don't and know. Have I don't four guys stand at the blue line while one skates with yeah, the Yeah, well, everyone's up. Yeah, literally it's a log jam at the blue line. Yeah. And makes zero well call it the Canadian me. punt league. <laughs> rouge. <laughs> oh yeah. You hit the glass, you get a rouge. <laughs> Uh, number 17, the Kingston Frontenacs. Uh, they take Gabriel Frasca, centerman, six foot 162 from the OHL Cup winning Mississauga Senators. It's always a Frasca in Kingston. There's always going to be a know, Frasca right? in the Ontario Hockey it's, League. It's there's two more on. coming, too. Yeah, there's two more coming, too. So <laughs> the bloodlines of the Frascas, it's growing and growing. Can you imagine if we had all the Frascas on? We'd call it keeping up with the Frascas. Oh, God. We have the Frascas. We'll have the Frascas show. Guess we'll just have it. Uh, keep it up with the Frascas. We'll do it. It'll be we'll like just, six we'll just stay long. quiet too, and we'll have them just talk. Yeah, Mike. Mike's muted right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, fifty, um, seventy-five points in fifty-six games. So plus fifty-nine this year for Mississauga. Really good player. I love this player. Um, heck of a player. Had a good showcase too in February. Had a really good prospect showcase, and uh, that helped him as well. Go um, get on the radar. Number 18, the Flint Firebirds take Caden Petrie, centerman 5'10", 167 from the Vaughn Kings. Yeah, 30 points in 31 games. Um, played with Stouffville a little bit in the OJHL playoffs, so got some games in there, some AP games. That's nice to see how he looks. Um, mm-hmm. No points in the three games, but uh, at least he's got ice time, ready to get to play. Um, so it's a good pick. Uh, that's more of a development pick, though. We'll see. Um, how he looks next year, but uh, yeah. nice pick for Flint. Uh, number 19, Saginaw. This is their compensatory pick. Uh, Zane Perrick, 5'10 and three quarters, 156. So smaller uh, defenseman for Saginaw. Played with the Markham Majors U16 Triple A team. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like 
sag about defense, you usually see the big guys, right? You usually see the DJ King trade from Hamilton, or you see Pavel yeah. Mitikoff, the offensive defenseman that's six foot two. So he'll get bigger, five ten. He'll be, he'll get the six foot. Um, he'll fill out once, like you like you always mentioned. Once you get into the OHL system, once you go through development camp, you get bigger, you change, and then once you get to the NHL development camp, it's like you're a pro. You're a pro now. You just sign your ticket. You're a pro playing against kids. And you see that every year when guys come back from development camp, even back to the Ontario Hockey League. Perfect example of the last one, Phil Tomasino came back to Niagara and lit it up. Yep. They're natural. But, uh, yeah, Parky's going to be good. He's going to be good. 21 and 23 games. At number 20, the champions of the Central Division, uh, North Bay Battalion, take Ethan Precision. That is going to be in the name bracket, 1,000%. He is a right winger from the North Central Predators, 6'1", 180 pounds. Yeah, he's played everywhere this year, that's for sure. Um, Their playoffs, he played on his North Central team. He played on the U18 team for a game. He had two points in that game um, for his normal team, uh, U16 team. 52 points in 27 games. He played in the OJHL for Collingwood for six games as an AP, three games or three points in six games. And, uh, yeah, it's playoffs four and five. So he's been everywhere, man. Play the song. But, yeah, he's been everywhere. Um, <laughs> he's been everywhere this year. And, hey, that's great. It's nice that it's against older competition, right? And um, you're performing well against older competition. That's nice. And you see that. That's, that's a nice comfort factor when you're a GM picking a guy like that. Number 21, Ottawa 67's their second pick of the first round. They take defenseman Frank Morelli, 5'10", 186, from the Markham Waxers, U16. Okay. Imagine playing for a team called the Waxers. Can you imagine having, like, the T-shirt? Just have Waxers. Don't even have your, your city. <laughs> just have Waxers. All right. All right. It's over. All right. But, yeah. 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 Morali, Morali had a good OHL cup. I liked his game. 34 points in 26 games. Reese, when you see that name, Frank Morali, that's just Ottawa 67. Yeah. That's just an Ottawa 67 name. Like, Ottawa, they always have those names, right? And Frank Morali, that's I was going to say, I, I feel for the broadcasters, Luca Pinelli, Frank Morelli. Have fun. Ooh, yeah. Interesting, eh? Obviously Morelli. a forward and a defenseman, so that that'll help, pass. but. That outlet pass. Yeah. Rally to Pinelli. <laughs> a good one. Wardy's getting his goal call ready already. You know, you got you imagine on the power play. Feed it. Pinelli won't be Pinelli won't be in the flag. Sorry, uh, Luca, but you'll be around the net or bumper. Yeah. Just by the way you play, but rat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, dude, God. it'd be nice to get that pass. It'd be nice to get that that's just to hear that call. All right, number 22, second last pick of the first round. The number one seed in the Western Conference, Windsor Spitfires, take Anthony Cristoforo, defenseman, 5'10 and a quarter, 173 uh, from the Toronto Junior Canadians. Yeah, nice pick. Um, 78 points in 56 games, 5'10, 173, as mentioned. Um, good player. Really good player. That Tron Junior Canadian team can't get wrong, go wrong with anyone on that team. They were loaded. That was a saga with the two teams that were above and you saw them in the draft this year. And rounding out round number one, hey. the Hamilton Spectator Trophy champions, the Hamilton Bulldogs take Merrick Vanneker of the Brantford 99ers, six foot and a quarter, 164. 
Yeah, I see that hometown on there. I oh, see yeah. that hometown. It says Delhi, Ontario, so that's pretty cool. Um, 58, 58 points in 30 games. I had to get that shot in there every time. Uh, what a player. I mean, this kid's a kid where you had to go to the right system. There'd be games where you would watch him play, and it would be like he's the best player on the ice for the first period. The second period, you don't notice him. Then the third, okay, he's back. Yeah. When in Hamilton, in that system, now you look at it and it's like, okay, right? Like, Jay McKee, he's going to let you go. He's you know, he's not going to keep you on a leash and unleash you. And uh, you're going to be able to play your game. So that's not going to be a factor. I don't think – I think he's going to be a complete player, complete 60-minute player for the Hamilton Bulldogs. Um, he's in the right system. Really good player. That's what it's all about. Um, nice pick. I love it. And uh, Vinacre, he's going to have a mat. He's going to be really good for them. Um, I like you're basically thinking about Ryan Winterton. I mean, it was funny because so a buddy that you know, Tick Reese, uh, we've been watching, we usually go to a lot of, we went to a lot of Brantford games, minor midget games, and it was funny. He compared him to Brady to Chuck, and it's very similar. I mean, I saw Merrick with Reed, uh, his interview say he, uh, he models himself after Austin Matthews, but I don't really see it. Um, compared to OHL guys, I compared him to uh, Tom Wilson. He's kind of big. He's uh, around the puck all the time. You know, he's physical. Uh, tough country kid, right? Everyone's tough from around here. You know that. So, he, uh, I like, I like the Brady. Oh, yeah. I like the Brady Kachuk. I like the Brady Kachuk comp, though. He skates the same way as Brady Kachuk. If, right now, if you're listening, driving, wherever you're listening, picture Brady Kachuk skating. That's Merrick Vanacker. Very good pick, though. Very good pick. I love it. And he ends round number one for the Ontario Hockey League priority selection here in 2022, as Wardy is showing me his phone. <laughs> Antonio Strong just liked his tweet. Big ol'. He's <laughs> calling fanboys for a second. Uh, Big ol' today. That's a good one. Attaboy. Um, yeah, 23 guys going round number one, and a lot more go through the rest of the draft. Of course, again, Great event put on by the Ontario Hockey League. One through three went Friday night, and then the rest on Saturday. And it's just just a fun event. The one thing I do miss, of course, uh, three years with the Ice Dogs. I was part of the draft all three years, and it's it, it's the most fun. You gather the media people up together. At least this is the way they did it in Niagara. You had the boardroom, all the scouts, um, any team personnel, uh, including myself, uh, were a part of that room just you know, of course, we were in the back. We weren't as important to get to the table, but um, just being out there for social media and everything, that was a cool experience. And, of course, you had uh, the rest of the Niagara media, whether it was from from the Standard, uh, from the Niagara Falls Review, I think it is. Whatever yeah. whatever papers out there. You had the radio guy and Ted Lehman, uh, of course, and then whoever was there from uh, Your TV Niagara. They put them out in the table out in the hallway and of course we'd all be fed the event would be catered and it was just it's just a fun event to be a part of and special you know be nice to get back there one day don't know if it'll happen but it's just if you ever get an opportunity to do that whether it's as an employee or an intern um take it because it is, it is it's a long day i can tell you that right now but it's it's a lot of fun like you will you will learn a lot and you'll enjoy yourself so well even if you're a fan you have a chance to go to the press conference and stuff do it yeah, do it. It's a great experience, and hey, the, the kids appreciate it. It's cool just seeing the look on the kids' faces is really cool when they go to the venues, and that was really cool throughout the weekend, right? The days after the draft, how the kids were there, like 
getting to see playoff yeah. hockey. And it's cool. Like I always tell the Dalton Duhart story about in London that, that game six against Erie when London was down like three, one to start the third period and they came back and won four, three. And it was just crazy. Right. Cause Erie was so good that year. We the Memorial cup. They won the Ontario hockey league that year. And it's like that Strom radish to break get London comes out and score and takes the lead. And like for the first time all series really held possession, like own the play. And the look on Dalton Duhart's face was like, oh, wow, like next year you're going to be on the other side of the glass in that. And I always think that's really cool when the kids get to go see their draft teams play in the playoffs because the atmosphere is crazy. And you see that Meridian Center, Meridian Center gets loud, man. It gets loud in there. And I never got to see a playoff game there. So it's loud in the regular season. So you imagine the playoffs is completely full. But that it's just exciting to see the kids go to the new venues where it's probably the biggest chapter of their life. They're basically pros now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they go, they're going to go to school there, but like they're going to be the talk of the town, and it's really cool, right? Like it's something you work for your whole life. These kids have been thinking about that since they get to Bantam. Once they go play minor midget and like ban- second year Bantam, yep. that's what you're thinking about. Yep. So it's really cool. And it's exciting to see how the kids react going to these venues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our third draft now in the books here. Uh, as part of the OHL and 60 podcast, it's unfortunate this was the first one during the playoffs, but uh, that's just the way she goes. And uh, well, crap happens, but uh, it was a fun discussion uh, with you, Mr. Ward, uh, on the first round. Of course, you want a full list of all of the players taken, the OHL website. It's still up there. They still got the draft tab uh, at the top with the results page. So if you want to look at it, if you want to watch the draft again, rounds one through three, they've got that up there as well. So. Make sure you check that out, but we will take another break. When we come back, a quick ish update on the playoffs. Uh, Some matchups are over. A couple still going on. We'll see. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, hopefully. Controversy? Question mark. What's that? A little uh, controversial there. Oh yeah. There's some questions there. There'll be some questions. We will discuss that on the other side of the break here on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL and 60 podcast. I'm Reese Maney along with Colin Ward. Final segment of this week's show. Uh, We've got players of the week to chat about. And of course, an update on this year's OHL playoffs as round one is coming to an end. And this is when a lot of excitement starts to happen around two, three, and four. It's going to be a fun ride the rest of the way. Uh, Player of the week, Kingston Frontenac, Zade Wisdom. Eight points, four goals, four assists. Name bracket, Final Forest? I I think so. Elite eight for sure. Yeah. I believe final four. Didn't he lose to Barky? Yeah, he might have. Well, he lost to, uh, I think the first Shanker year he before. lost. No, no. Didn't he lose to uh, Shanton? Yes. Yes. He lost yeah. to Swiss Slugger because that, that was the debate back at the studio that we had. Yeah. All over the Swiss Slugger. Still yeah, don't agree that. with that. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was the Swiss Slugger. Come on, guys. Let's be better. Yeah. Oh. Anyways, yeah, he gets four guy. goals, 
four assists over four games for the Frontenacs. And of course, they eliminated the Oshawa Generals, which, by the way, we're going to get into this. Uh, what a game six that was in Oshawa with the Ty Tulio tying the game, one and a half seconds left. And then Shane was Wright, Dustin, wasn't it? Like a lo- yeah, right. Shane Wright, loose puck out in the slot, backhands at top shelf. Doesn't get better than that, but of course we'll get it. We'll get into that uh, as we near the end of the show. Also in consideration for the award, Mason McTavish. He had seven points as the Bulldogs swept the Peterborough Peets. Uh, four goals, three assists for him, and then of course Ty Tulio, seven points as well. Two goals, five assists uh, in four games for the Generals. Heading into the crease goaltender of the week, we're going to Flint Luke Cavillan. Uh, of the Firebirds, nice he was two and one, one sixty-eight goals against average, save percentage of nine fifty-two. He had one hundred saves in three games for the Firebirds. Of course, they have a three-two series lead heading into tonight, taking on Owen Sound in Game Six at the Bayshore. So, going to be exciting one up in Owen Sound. Uh, also in consideration for the award, Ben Godro, who was the only reason why the Sarnia Sting saw Game Six. Uh, he just yeah. absolutely stood on his head in game number five at the Washington. Why they saw game five, dude? Why they yeah. saw game five, dude? Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, he was two and two, two point four four goals against average, save percentage of nine twenty nine. And Mateo Lalama, the Barry Colt, stepping in for uh, Mac Guzda, who went down for a couple of games but came back for game five. Lalama was good for the Colts. He was 1-0-1, goals against average of 161, save percentage of 938. So those are your players of the week. And now it's time to get into the playoffs. There's about 12 minutes left to go in the show. And we'll kind of give you an update on where we are. Of course, the Hamilton Bulldogs, they sweep away the Peets. They are sitting and waiting, as their Twitter said on Sunday. They're just chilling, hanging out. Uh, North Bay Battalion did the same to the Ottawa 67s, a 4-0 sweep of them. Uh, Kingston, like we said, take care of the Oshawa Generals in six games, with game six being completed on Sunday. Mississauga Barry could be over by now, but as we are recording on Monday night, it is game Number six up in Barry at Sadlon Arena. So who knows? We could be getting ready for a game seven on Wednesday in Mississauga. Hopefully yeah, we Wednesday. are because that's going to be one hell of a game. Uh, seeing those two go at it in game well, seven. Wednesday night could be a heck of a night or it could be like a nothing. You know, like we could go I was going to say there could be no hockey at all. On one night yeah. To zero. Yeah. Like it's going to be interesting. I think one, I think one of the three that are available for game seven in the West or in the East or that matter with the one series, we'll go to game seven. I think we both said game seven, Barry, Mississauga. Oh yeah. So easily. We'll see. We'll see. I think so. Yeah. Uh, switching to the oh. West. So What's hopefully that? Bo Jelson's back after body injury. Yeah. Hopefully Bo Jelson's back after body injury. Yeah. Uh, over to the West Windsor Spitfires. Take care of Sarnia four to two. We're going to get into this one uh, after just this quick update. There was not an incident, but a <laughs> moment in the game that Mr. Ward and I don't really agree with. So we'll we'll get into that. Uh, London Knights Kitchener Rangers, they're getting ready for a game six tonight <laughs> at the odd. Um, hopefully it's rocking. 
Tuesday night at the odd. They're used to playing Tuesday nights in Kitchener, so let's get at it. Uh, Flip Firebirds own sound attack. Game six tonight as well at the Bay Shore. And then, of course, Flint leads that series three games to two. And then it's the Sioux Greyhounds. They took out the Guelph Storm in five games, four to one. Uh, Sioux wins that series. And, well, in terms of matchups for round two, we've got one. North Bay will for sure be in Kingston for game number one. Schedule not out as of right now, uh, but I'm sure we'll see that as Tuesday night rolls on into Wednesday. The schedule is probably going to come out uh, for the second round. But no, I think where, where do you want to start, Wardy? Do you want to start with the calls in London and in the London Kitchener series and the Windsor Sarnia? Do you want to? We can start with that. That three Eastern teams are already on to the second round compared to one or well, two, I should say, uh, in the Western Conference. And I mean, where, where do you want to start here? We'll start with the with the reviews in like the Western conference will fit and then we'll finish with the second round. We'll start yeah. where we're at. And uh, yeah, I think Sarnia got robbed, but I mean, they got a makeup call right after that. So you can't say they got robbed or wouldn't have been a call either way. That true. I mean, yeah, Cause even that interference call, year. I'm like, that's a little, yeah. I don't know about that cheap. one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, we, like I've said it all year. I wish officials had to do press releases or slash press conferences after games. In play, especially in playoffs, because that's an interesting debate there, right? Because, like, what happened there? Like, I want to know. Everyone wants to know what happened. Because when I, I I sent you video evidence, and there is evidence, the puck was a couple inches over the red line, completely over the red line, when the ref's hand is going through his mouth, intent to blow the whistle. Even with the intent, the puck's still over the goal line. Mm-hmm. So, Sarnia has a right to kind of protest that. That would be tough, right? Because now you're out. You're eliminated. So that's kind of unfortunate for them. Um, that'll be the question, though, all summer. Alamatang was not happy, and rightly so. And, you know, uh, that's going to be the question all summer he's going to have. Well, well, and that's, that's the thing. I think you also throw it into the, the debate where the play was. Talk about Onishka. His skate was not on the post. Like, the there was his room in the post and his skate, and there was no movement at all from – his trapper to cover that puck. There was We're no his knee. whatsoever. Like, yeah. How is, first of all, why, why is there intent to blow the whistle? It's, it's no matter about the point. Oh, I had intent to blow the, the whistle. Why? The goaltender yeah. made no effort to cover the puck yeah. and it wasn't covered. Like it wasn't, yeah, even, that's it was... wasn't even lodged in his pad. Like, yeah, that's, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, he's not trying to freeze the puck. There's no Windsor defenseman or any Windsor skater, for that matter, by the net helping him freeze the puck. Mm-hmm. It was just a clear lane. It was literally just two Sarnia sticks and nobody in the post. <laughs> like, why are we blowing the whistle there? Yeah. I know before you see refs call it when their skates holding the puck up against the post there, right? You can't move it. You, I yeah. saw that being blown down before, but that wasn't the case because he was inside the goal line. Mm-hmm. I've never saw that before, and that's tough. And that goes back to the matter where these reviews, I think there's too much adrenaline for the referees even to just be on the tablet and the penalty box in these arenas doing it in that heat of the moment type thing. I think you got to go upstairs and you got to go to the league office. You got to get the right call in that situation. That's where I wish here at the owner meetings in the offseason, we kind of have a talk about we got to fix up the reviews. We have to clean up the reviews. That's something we can talk after the postseason about the owner meetings, what rule changes we would like. And it would be cool to get the listeners involved on that mm-hmm. one as well, like what they want to see differently in our league, because it would be interesting to see 
what their reviews are because I was po- I posted a poll on my Instagram about um, goal or no goal, yeah. yeah, just to see what if I was insane or not. And there was majority goal for the one that um, I posted, which we'll touch on in a few minutes. But like, yeah, I don't know how that's not a goal. That's been a goal all the time. When you look at a ref's hand, he's not intending to blow it until it's already behind the goal line. You can't lose sight of the puck there because there's nothing there. Well, that's literally the clearest eye you could get. Well, I, I hate that too. Intent to blow the whistle. Yeah. If, what? What? Why can't it just be when the, the whistle's blown? I, I understand referees' reaction time isn't as quick as say the buzzer in basketball that immediately goes when time runs out. And of course, basketball you get that. You know, if you let it go, then even if the buzzer goes, you still get the. Sh- you know, you still get the two or three points or whatever it is. Uh, obviously, oh, can you not imagine? the case in hockey, but at the same time, it's. It's the human element of the game, and you, you can't take it out. I don't know how they would take this out of the game. I know they're, you know, baseball, they're trying to ruin it by add robots, but. Um, yeah, no human air. That's the way sports are going because yeah. the way the world is now, it's all electronic, all easy. Yeah, right? so I mean, hard. I mean, no human air. intent. If the whistle's not blown, I don't understand why it shouldn't count. Uh, Whatever it's it is yeah. what it is. Uh, that was one scenario. We're gonna head to London for Game Five. <laughs> um, Ryan Payette, Mike Farwell know a lot about this one. Um, That's soap opera, man. Oh it's uh, wow. Right, listen, you probably three? know by now. Like three that were All missed. Three were All and three you were at that game. Or you were at Game Five, and well, we know who one of the officials were. Um, yeah, and he called every penalty in Darcy Birchall. Yeah. I just say it. <laughs> but, oh, I knew yeah. you were going to say it. That's why I didn't oh, say yeah, it. You. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he called everything. It's like, it's your prototypical Darcy Burchill game, and I hate to be tough on a official, but you pay to watch the game. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to say. And when you have the chance to review, and this goes back, when a coach challenges the second time and it's still a wrong call, Mm-hmm. give me a break like come on and every single like majority of the polls i have on the first goal but london scored to make it i believe it was three nothing or four nothing it would have been i think three nothing it would have been the goal they scored the interference where cowan got pushed into parsons i mean mm-hmm. how's that not a goal and hey remember in the niagara game this year when they counted goyette's goal what, like what's the difference yeah What's the difference? So we're going to be like that? We're going to be 50-50? Like, come on. That's why we need to go to an official replay booth, not just in-house, because you're going to continue to have that all the time until you get an official replay booth, because that in-house stuff isn't working clearly. Well, well, and I think there there may be, and I, I haven't read the rule book cover to cover. I don't think anyone has except officials. Or maybe someone that's really into officials or officials. Even some of the officials, even whatever. some of the officials, it feels like they don't know yeah. some of these delays that we have. But like, oh my! But like, I don't know if it's an interpretation of the rule. If you know, you, they get obviously if they get pushed in by a defender, that should count. It was the defender's fault. It was not the it was not the offensive player's fault. He got pushed in, but clearly in this London Kitchener game, that was the case. And yeah. we talk about Goyette. Goyette had no help from the Ice Dogs defenseman. I think it, I think it was Isaac Enright. This was, he had this was no a lot help worse. going into Rosenswag. Absolutely yeah. none. And this, they counted this that was a goal. Lot, 
this was a lot worse. Like this one, like three seconds. No, nah, man, that one was bad. No, it was bad. No, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm saying it was bad. I'm just saying like this one too is a terrible call because it's the exact same thing. And, but it's the playoffs. Like we're messing up the playoffs here. Like, and then. And that's where you look at the point of extra calls. Are we adding extra calls to the game? Obviously the plays happen. You got to make a call, but. Well, there's a thing. London never got a full power play all game. London never got a full power play after the game. Wait, so you, you, want to see, read what, you want to read what you texted me after the London game last night? You can or see why they, you can see why there was reporting going on after the game. You could see that. And also, I look at the I look at the picture there too about the Patesian goal. That was a goal. oh, that was a joke. That might be. Oh like, my I, god! I, I sent you the picture today. Was Bozo the clown in the stripes? Like holy crap! That was like, so bad. I zoomed in, and I'm showing Reese right now. You can yeah. clearly see the puck on the stick. Well, and he skates in the air. First of all, it's a, we're, there's no kicking motion at all. There's a London defender there right on him. Even if there's a kicking motion, does it actually come from Patesian? Or does it come from that London defender being all over well, him, trying to not allow him to get, a, get the puck and get a scoring chance? From the picture here, it looks like it's Patesian stick on top of his skate. But it's clearly stick contact. And even if it was, the skate's not even going toward the net. Mm-hmm. That's impossible. Like, according to my uh, brain, <laughs> you can't – the way his <laughs> According skate, to my brain. <laughs> it's the way – like, I don't know how, how to explain it. You can't kick to the right, like – on that angle at all like that's impossible for you to kick a puck in from that angle mm-hmm. like might not be impossible because anything's possible with kevin garnett but this is borderline impossible to kick it from that angle into the net i don't get it and where was the london knights complaining on the play nobody on london was saying anything so there's a giveaway but somehow that's not a goal and then the following goal kitchener scored a <laughs> Um, that was interference on Brett Brochu, but mm-hmm. then you can. So every single the three reviews yesterday were or on Sunday were all wrong. They were all wrong. Um, Kitchener got it back with that other with the second goal that they had because that was interference on Brochu or on Patesian against Brochu, but they got it back. But that's still the wrong call there too. So yeah. three for three. And I can tell you right now, if it's the same officiating crew that's in Kitchener tonight. There's no way. There's no way they can do that. Will they, though? Follow up for six? I win. The off-ice officials, the head of officiating, they're at playoff games. They saw that. They saw the same thing everybody saw watching the game. If we can solve a goal being a goal and a goal not being a goal, in not even two minutes on our phones. That's a joke. <laughs> like you shouldn't like, I want to question how, what it, how, what it takes to be an official then, if that's the case, because that's not good at all. Um, maybe we need some 60 effect. Uh, what do you say? Let's be head of officials or, uh, oh God. Uh, or reviews or reviews. Ugh. Reviews would be done pretty quick. I can tell you right now. Cause it's, it's just getting old every single, it felt, it feels like every month, we talk about reviews and it's just a, at least it's once just, it's a problem. 
it's a problem around our league. And now it's going to affect the playoff game. And I've said it before, our the biggest fear of mine is we're going to be a month from now. We're going to have a game six get forced into a game seven or even a game seven be ruined by a review because it happens all the time. And it's not the same as it used to be where they used to just not have the tablet. You used to just call upstairs, bang. Mm-hmm. Remember the Bo Horvat goal at game seven? That wasn't done on a tablet. That was done upstairs. You're on the phone. And you can remember on the phone because they couldn't get the connection. It took so long. The timing and stuff, that was a goal. There was no intent to blow the whistle there. Can you imagine? Game seven. One second left. That'd be wild. But it's gone downhill. I would say the officiating has gone downhill. For sure. It's gotten it's deteriorated. Yeah, it's accurate. I agree with that. But we don't want to spend the entire last segment uh, on officiating. We'll look at the five series that are over. We're talking Sioux, Guelph, Windsor, Sarnia, uh, Kingston, Oshawa, North Bay, Ottawa, and Hamilton, Peterborough. Just maybe a couple points, a couple quick points about you know each series. We'll start with Hamilton, Peterborough. Of course, 4 nothing sweep for the Bulldogs. Uh, this one was rough from game one right through, right from the drop of the puck. And you know whether or not that was Peterborough's intent going into it, try to knock Hamilton um, you know, off their game just physically because they knew they couldn't beat them offensively or defensively. Just That's just a hard task looking at the Hamilton Bulldogs. But you know, I thought the Peets at times did a good job at you know, taking them out of the game and putting them in a penalty box because numerous times we'd see Hamilton after the whistle, you know, take an extra shot or slash and, you know, get called for two. Jack, I got called, I don't know how many times uh, after the whistle. Like, I mean, from Peterborough's perspective, perspective, you look at that as a win, even though you got swept. But at the same time, it's just that, that Bulldogs team is too good. And no matter how you play against them, the one versus eight seed, especially with the Bulldogs being at 107 points. Yeah. It's still not going to be very close. Yeah. And you know, the Peterborough Pete's game one and two, I thought their starts were very good to be honest. Like their, their starts of game one and two in Hamilton were incredible. I don't think you could ask for a better start for a one versus eight team. You're going in as the eight. So you nothing to lose. They outplayed Hamilton. Hamilton was frustrated. Hamilton was rushing the play so badly in game one. And then game two, their defense was out of sorts. Hamilton, Peterborough mm-hmm. capitalized on it. And it goes back to my point, right? If you're a goalie playing a team like that, two or less, two or less. If you give up more than two goals, you're going to lose. You're not going to outscore the Hamilton Bulldogs. So you got to win those two one games or three two games. Mm-hmm. And, it just, and then you look at the goal line here. In the series, Peter Rill, two, 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 and three. So it just goes back to my point where you got to go two or less, three or less. Or if you give up more than three, you're going to lose. And it's a fine margin, but that's the only way you're going to beat the Hamilton Bulldogs. And it goes for every game. It goes for every game here. Even if they play the Barry Colts or the Mississauga Steelheads, I know that's a tough point because we don't know yet. And it yeah. could be decided time this episode is out. But even then, Mississauga, Mississauga, I don't know if they'll be able to score with Hamilton. And Barry, no Brandt Clark. That's a very tough situation to beat Hamilton. And Mac Usta, we saw him be fragile here in the Mississauga series. So if they're going to get through, you're going to have to clean that up three or less. And that's a tough ass. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, North Bay, Ottawa, 4 nothing sweep for the battalion. Uh, kind of surprising. Th- like this one was a lot closer than 4 nothing. Three of the yes. four games were decided by one goal. You look at the first one, it was 4-1 oh. North Bay, the final. Yeah, they – 
they controlled that game. We can all agree on that one. Um, You know, it was a seven, six final game too. Brandon Coe, two seconds left. Like, yeah. Break away. Was that on or off? Oh, it was on. Yeah. Nice try. Just up on the (laughs) mooring. But yeah. You like that I tried to do there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Three, two North Bay wins game three in overtime. I should add in Ottawa. And then of course a three, two final game four uh, for the visitors from North Bay. So, no, Ottawa, again, not huge expectations for them, but also, too, you looked at North Bay, like they went through a very long lull of not winning a whole lot of games. And, you know, they were able to rebound off of that. They got hot at the right time to end the season, but we knew there was that chance that North Bay could possibly lose one or two in a row just from what we had seen throughout the season. But, you know, obviously, big moments, one goal games. That's how you win playoff series is you're on the right side of that one goal game. And uh, again, aside from game one, which like you said, throwing an empty netter or two, then it looks worse than it actually was. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Saga, that series at game four, it could be, or going, like if it would went to game five, it could have easily been two, two. Just that two games a piece through the first four, easy. Mm-hmm. And um, Ottawa definitely had these stretches where they were the better team. Um, that was a very tough sweep. That was like a six-game series in four. Be mm-hmm. honest. Sometimes when you see a sweep and it's like, okay, but when you look at the shot or the stat line, you're like, that was a lot closer than expected or we thought. So it's not really – it wasn't really a sweep. Yes, it was a sweep, but it was more like a six-game series all in one with all the action, how well Ottawa actually played mm-hmm. for getting swept. Yeah. Uh, last oh, one. Sorry, sorry. sorry. I also wanted to quickly uh, shout out, and it's not really a shout out, it's kind of disappointing. So, um, TSN 1200 tweeted out this morning, Monday morning, um, tweeted out um, from Pierre Dorian that uh, Tyler Boucher, he was going to go back, he was going to go to Belleville after Ottawa was eliminated in 67s. And uh, he has, uh, there's personal issues going on for his family. So that's why he's not in Belleville. But the people that are in the comments of that tweet. Oh my God. What the hell? Please. That, yeah, please be better. Don't suck. Don't suck. That's terrible. That's honestly pathetic. You're going to go after a 19-year-old like that? Give me a break. Like, he's not playing for the Ottawa Senators this year. Um, get it together. Who cares? Let, let the kid develop. He's a kid. Like, come on. I'd like to see – you know what? I would like to see this one guy that has a name of an AHL player as his Twitter profile. I would like to see – him put on skates and try to play the game. I would love to see that. I'd pay money to see these people that are on Twitter uh, chirping at players. I would love to see the people. We'll call it the hate. We'll call it the HHL, Hate Hockey League, where all the haters go out there and play hockey, and then everyone assists there and just chirps them because hey, karma, like eat up the Connecty, <laughs> yeah, the Connecty Gensel dispute in the outdoor game Pittsburgh yeah. Philly, but yeah. Come on, people, grow up. Like, I saw those comments. That was disgusting. Like, be better. Don't suck. Yeah. But, yeah, hate hockey league. We're going to start it. Everyone that All right, I'm down. Twitter and shirt. For everyone that hides on Twitter and shirts. We'll hand out microphones in the crowd so they go over the speakers. Turn <laughs> <laughs> on the mic. Hey, we got Mike from Scarborough. You suck. On <laughs> to the next. <laughs> oh. Hey, we got Tyler Boucher from Belleville right now. Get a lot on Mike, but yeah, it's terrible. Like, I just want to quickly shout that out because that can't be happening. Um, that's what makes the game so bad. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Uh, Kingston, Oshawa. Frontenacs get it done four games to two. Again, we're going to talk about game six for probably a while, <laughs> looking back at Kingston's playoff run, uh, depending on how far it goes, obviously. But like we said, wild. Ty Tulio, second and a half left to go. Ties the game, that perfect face-off win. Right on his tape, top shelf blocker side, uh, past Marilinen, tie game, head to overtime. And wouldn't you know it, the captain Shane Wright, exceptional Shane Wright, uh, wins yeah. it, backhander, top shelf, past Patrick Lever. And, hey, credit to Patrick Lever. And they talked about this on the Rogers broadcast uh, after game six. They started shaking hands. And Lever, he hadn't left the crease yet. And they were talking about, you know, he was really the third string goalie on the depth chart for the generals yeah. coming in. And, you know, Papasakis, he obviously had an injury or two, but Lever took that net. He got the start in the outdoor showcase, which again, Hamilton peppered him with shots and they only lost three, nothing. Yeah. Just you look at the way he played throughout the season and, you know, he really was that number one. He's going to be back next year, possibly back for another OA year. He, he yeah, set that, himself up to be the Oshawa Generals goaltender moving forward for the next two years. He set him up for a nice little contract. Huh? He set himself up for a nice contract. He's a guy that might get a deal. He might get it. Well, he's draft eligible still. This is his last year of eligibility. So, he set, him, he set himself up for a nice little draft, uh, draft selection here this year. This offseason because, um, yeah, Lever was a bright spot for them. Oshawa, there's a lot of turbulence throughout the series, and it was there's a lot of turbulence for Kingston this series, too. It was kind of like the way of the series, right? Where it looked like Kingston was going to go up when they go up pretty big on them, looked like it could be over in four. All of a sudden, Oshawa gets momentum, and then mm-hmm. last night it was like that because Ty Tulio was supposed to tie it with one, what was it, 1.8? 1.8, 1.5? Doesn't matter, <laughs> tenth of a second, but. It was so close, and don't, when people say, "Oh, this face off doesn't matter," never, never count your never count your eggs before they're hatched. You're taking before they're hatched because that's not a. That, I mean, mm-hmm. that was like the Tyler Toffoli goal with LA, but um, what a what a shot! Perfect face off play, like you said. I mean, it didn't hit anything. It was just so smooth, right? It was crisp, and that's nice yep. when it's all smooth because that's the only way it went in. Um, but yeah, heck of a game. It looked like also I was destined to force uh to force a game seven just because of the way when you tie it like that, you never really see that team that tied it losing overtime. It's like, okay, we got all the momentum. Let's go. Let's keep at mm-hmm. it. But Shane Wright does what Shane Wright does, right? And ends it. But what a game it was. Um, good series. Really good yeah. series. A lot of ups and downs. A roller coaster ride, that's for sure. Well, well I like Zade Wisdom in this series. Of course, getting named OHL Player of the Week. He was a guy that we had talked about that he's just got to be big for Kingston. He's got to be that that pro guy that comes back from the AHL and just, you know, he, he's yeah. made for games and series uh, in the playoffs. And, you know, he did just that. He, he was great in the series, especially the latter half of it. So I uh, just wanted to quickly point that out because, like I said, he has to be going for Kingston to be great uh, in the playoffs. So, Yeah, for uh, sure. On to the West. Uh, Windsor Spitfires, they take out the Sarnia Sting four games to two. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, the Windsor Spitfires take out Ben Godreau four games to two um, <laughs> because he stole game five in Windsor. Uh, that's no word of a – that is fact. They do not win that game if Ben Godreau is not in the lineup for the Sarnia Sting. And, of course, big 5-2 win in game number three, the first one at home for the Sting. So, again, yeah, they this still got outshot. 
yeah, this this one versus eight matchup between Windsor and Sarnia, Terry Doyle pointed out on the broadcast, it really wasn't. It was a lot yeah. closer than you would expect and that we expected. Of course, we saw Windsor in four or five games. I said, uh, I think I said six for Windsor. I think I, I probably said, said four or five. Because we drew. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, the, the Windsor Spitfires, What you look at them and just, I'm not saying they had trouble with Sarnia, but at times they did. They had trouble scoring, and that just goes to the credit of, of Ben Godreau, but um, is it is it a concern? I don't know if I'm just making something out of nothing or what's going on, but you know that's the thing. You're gonna have those series right where you get outplayed. I mean, it can, it almost happened in Peterborough at points, right? Michael Simpson looked like he's gonna steal games. There's moments it it's gonna happen, right? Goalies in this league are good too. Um, Windsor's strong, right up front. They got two dominant lines where they just matched up. They just mm-hmm. so matched. Sarnia. Sarnia can't match up against Windsor, and that's the problem. That's going to happen with a one versus eight. But that series, they just had a hard time matching with those, with that second line, the second three line, because Squally Zio had a really good series on that second line for Windsor. So that's what really stood out to me. Just a matchup. It was a nice adjustment by Savard putting, uh, I think he had Cooley, Johnson, and Abraham uh, on that top line for the Spitz. That was a really good line for them. I will say that they were dominant in this series. Um, and I'm, I'm sure he's going to stick with them until it stops working. Although I don't see any time in the world that a line with Wyatt Johnston and Will Cooley stops working, but, um, it, it's going to be yeah. interesting for Windsor moving forward for sure. Still waiting for their first ra- or second round opponent, I should say with London Kitchener, Flint Owen sound still yet to be decided, but uh, there is one more series done in the Western conference, five games, the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds take really out the Guelph storm, uh, Colin, you, you've been saying it right after the buzzer. In game five, ended 6 nothing final for the Sioux Greyhounds. Uh, Guelph Storm underachieved, and you are sticking to that. Yeah, big time. I mean, it's not an excuse, right? You don't have passage off or joking in game five. or game, Yeah, game five. That's not even an excuse. Um, you got to play better than that. They just underachieved. They did not – you watched them throughout the year, and I got to see them a few times, and every time – I saw them like okay, this team's gonna be tough in the playoffs just because of the way they play. They got good. They got a good top sixty. Everyone can play in any spot. Bushinger, Hal, and two young defensemen that are good. They have good OAD. Um, the OAs they added from Sarnia were incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. rating guy, the name captain. I mean, what a career he had in the Ontario Hockey League. Like most underrated, I would say you could say most underrated OA in the league this year. Mm-hmm. For what he brought to the table this year in Guelph and in Sarnia. I mean, he was such a leader on and off the ice for them and for the Sting, where it was exceptional just to watch how he played all the year. But I just couldn't believe how Guelph, like, they just underachieved. Like, it, was, it wasn't good. Um, they'd be the first to admit that. And, hey, you're back to the drawing board, right? And mm-hmm. kind of the effect was, kind of the talk was, well, how was their goal kind of going to be, right? And it wasn't good enough in the playoffs. It was not good enough. But remember at the Christmas break when they were in first in the Midwest division? Like, you would never predict them to lose in five games. And, and we the couldn't, Christmas break, they were in we first. Yeah, and we couldn't decide who was a better candidate for the starting goaltender because both of them were just were yeah, just playing unreal. Won, yeah, Bennett won goalie of the week. Oster won goalie of the week. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, where did they go? Where did everybody go? And – just inconsistency, right? They underachieved. They weren't good enough. Um, I know George Burnett, really good general manager slash head coach, had a good draft, as we discussed earlier. So 
They'll be back at the drawing board. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do because they have a good third goalie as well in Dixon Grimes. So it's going to be interesting. They have three goalies that can all come back next year. So it's going to be – they'll make a move for sure, Guelph, because three goalies that are – and Grimes is good enough to come up. It'll be interesting. I know Grimes AP'd with the Sudbury Wolves as an emergency backup a couple of weeks back. So that's something in, – that's interesting, right, to see if Sudbury – right, they kind of get a read for a goalie. We mentioned earlier on the show Sudbury, they kind of need goaltending. That's a – that could be a trade candidate for them where hey, maybe Sudbury want to see what he was like in the room too. He's like with the guys, but that's a possibility because Guelph's got to make decisions here. And um, I know that's going to, I know they're not going to be happy. That one's going to sting, right? You're losing five. And Hey, credit to Sue. Sue can score goals. That was never the problem. Sue, everyone knows Sue's going to score goals. It's just, can they keep the puck out of their net? And Hey, they did. So hopefully they can build off that. If you're Sue same ring, right? Hopefully you can continue to get, get momentum because I would say right now to the first round, Sue has the most momentum going in to this next round in the Western Conference. It doesn't matter what happens tonight with Flynn Owen Sound or with London and Kitchener. I would say Sue has the most momentum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good take by you. And I mean, you know, we're still waiting for three matchups to be decided. We got Barry Mississauga, of course, which could be over by the time this debuts. Uh, and then, of course, so, London Kitchener, Flint Owens Sound. So, uh, okay. So, what do we think tonight? What do we think tonight? Tuesday night. What do we think? London Kitchener. I was going to say, Owen I, Sound. Yeah, I think, I think London takes it. I can see okay. Owens Sound forcing seven. I think London takes game six in Kitchener. I, I, I can see it. I see it very similar. I see because I think Flint's going to have a very tough time in Owens Sound in that arena. Because it plays so quick, right? It plays so much faster than any other arena. And when you really don't play each other that much, and it's a tough travel too, especially on a weeknight. That's a tough place to go to. Owen mm-hmm. Sound from Flint on a weeknight. We saw them get defeated earlier during the week. I think I agree with you there. I think Owen Sound forces Game Seven. Um, London, it's going to be the start. Kitchener's going to come out guns a blazing. This is going. This is going to be the hardest start. Or the hardest pushback that London Knights are going to have to face all year. And unfortunately, I have to see them play a lot. And they really haven't had to face a team that have come out like this is going to be. They're backed up against the wall. They're at home, Kitchener. They got nothing to lose. And Kitchener's been quite vocal now about them being the seventh seed. And I think that's kind of an excuse, in my opinion, because at the end of the day, when you look at the games, it's not your prototypical seven two mm-hmm. matchup. It's not. It looks like a 4-5 matchup or a 3-6. It's not a 7-2. I mean, Kitchener's better than a 7 seed. And it's funny because remember when Kitchener at Christmas break was like, oh, we're done. We're going to fire the coach. we got to do this. we got to sell the team. We have to tear it down and everything's ending. And then now look at You're only one game away from forcing a game seven against the London Knights. So let's see what happens because I think if London can survive that first five, ten minutes, that pushback, because Kitchener's going to have that wave at home, backs up against the wall. They're going to come out hard. If London can survive the first five, ten minutes, either down one or we're tied, they're okay. Mm-hmm. But if not, it might be – well, we will have a game seven if they can't uh, overcome that because we saw it before. Game four, we saw that when Kitchener came out hard, scored one early, and then London just couldn't get back, right? They were behind the eight ball. So we'll see what happens. But if it's like that, London's chasing the game. Mm-hmm. It's over. And that's like for any team, right? It'll be seven on Wednesday night, but – We'll see. That's my point. I To be determined, I guess, my pick is I didn't really give a pick. It depends if they can overcome that or not. If they can overcome the wave, I guess is my point. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know if I have a pick yet. Yeah. 
No, that's fair. If they overcome it, if they overcome it, if, they, if it fits five, ten minutes in, and Prepro Shoe makes those first eight saves on eight shots, you can, you're going to be fine. You'll win the game. But if not, then you're in trouble. And it comes back to London's got to work behind the goal line, right? London's got to work behind the goal line because that's where all their goals come from. Anything behind the Kitchener net, they're scoring from. Anything they try to cut to the middle, you know, and that's vice versa too. Kitchener's like that too. Kitchener, it's weird. London actually wants Kitchener to go behind the net and just battle out in the corners, right? And then the free breakout, get those three on twos because London's pretty good at capitalizing, you know, especially with the Evangelista Strong, just McGurn line, right? But it's going to be interesting to see, that's for sure. Matchups within matchups. It's always fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Um, And that's it for us this week. Uh, It was a fun draft talk to begin the show, first round. Um, Obviously, the full draft in effect, but went through the first round, kind of discussed some needs and if they were filled or not from teams. Went through the first five picks in depth. And again, congratulations to all the players who were selected uh, in the 2022 OHL priority selection, uh, Michael Misa, exceptional status, going first overall to the Saginaw Spirit. Uh, what an accomplishment for him. I know he's ready for the challenge, and it's going to be fun to watch him. So we want the playoffs to keep going as long as possible, but there are a lot of people in Saginaw, Michigan, that are they want to flip the calendar to September <laughs> to get training. You're excited. So. Yeah, you're excited. Eerie, too. Eerie do. Yeah. I think all four teams that never made the playoffs. I think all four teams. I'm gonna say Niagara's got Niagara's got Dickinson now, the big defenseman they've been waiting for since I uh, you could put Matt Brassard, Jacob Paquette, but they yeah. I don't know. This will yeah, be Niagara's guy. committing to yeah, Villanoff committing already to uh Sudbury. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. Yeah, so everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it every week. All the listens. Uh Love the OHL and the OHL priority selection is one of the best events on the calendar. So we can't wait for next year, even though it is a year away, but uh, we're looking forward to it. And I hope you are as well. Uh, playoffs continue again. If you haven't bought the package, get it OHL live, please buy it. Um, it's awesome because you can watch every game. We're watching right now. Or the postseason. Wardy's <laughs> got Mississauga Barry on. I haven't pulled it up yet, but I will. So uh, should be good. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, for Reese Dumaney, or for Colin Ward, I'm Reese Dumaney. Wow, that was a blonde moment right there. Holy oh, good, hey. Man. I mean, I could have two of these. That'd be pretty awesome. Uh. <laughs> mute. I just mute. Oh, <laughs> Are you having a conversation with yourself? <laughs> uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will chat again in seven days. Uh-huh.